You're listening to sermon audio from Piperton Baptist Church in Piperton, Tennessee. For more information on how you can get connected with PBC, please visit www.pipertonbaptist.com. Hey, listen, God did make a way. If if y'all haven't thought about this, your salvation was secured through a cattle trough. (laughs) Came through the dirty cattle trough, so... Praise God, we have such a humble Savior. I want you to turn with me to 2 Timothy 4, verse 5. 2 Timothy 4, verse 5. While you're turning there, I want to tell you about a college Rose Bowl that took place almost 100 years ago, January 1st, 1929, in Pasadena, California. It was one of the most memorable football plays of all times. It was the Golden Bears, California Golden Bears, facing off against the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. And about halfway into the second quarter, Roy Regals, the center for California, picked up a tech fumble by Stumpy Thomason. That's just, they just had better nicknames 100 years ago. Stumpy. All right. All he had to do was run it in 30 yards into uh, George's uh, end zone. But he got hit and spun around and he ran 65 yards the wrong way. Uh, His his teammates were yelling at him, stop, stop. But he was so pumped and the crowd was roaring, the wrong crowd. And he was running toward the other... And his own, uh, back then, you know, there were two-way players. Players would play on defense and offense because men were tougher back then. And, um, and so his own quarterback, um, Benny Loam, chased him down and caught him at the California, uh, at California's own three-yard line. He tried to spin around, but then Tech just mobbed him down at the one-yard line. And so Georgia punted trying to, to dodge a risky play so close to their end zone and Tech blocked the punt for a safety, and Georgia went up with a 2-0 lead. And we actually have a clip of that from 1929. Here it is. Tech went on to win that game with a final score of eight to seven, Georgia Tech's second national championship. His wrong way run in that 1929 Rose Bowl is often cited as the worst blunder in college football history. So what happens when a seasoned athlete runs the wrong way, right? Now in wrong way, Regal's case, it was just a, a, a simple human error that he regretted. But in the case of Paul's teammate in ministry, a guy named Demas, it was more than that. It was an intentional desertion. And I think there's a lot to be learned when a devout disciple so quickly becomes a deserting deep fake. And I think we can learn it from 2 Timothy 4 verse 5. So let's read this together. These are the words of God. 2 Timothy 4 verse 5. As for you, This is Paul speaking to Timothy in this letter. These are called the pastoral letters for 2 Timothy and Titus. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, 
but also to all who have loved his appearing. Do your best to come soon, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Uh, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he's very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I've sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all, the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. Uh, matter of fact, uh, just to pause there, he may have been the one that turned him into the Roman authorities. We don't know. But there's speculation. Uh, the Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Verse 15, beware of him yourself, for he, is, he strongly opposed our message. At my first events, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I want to ask Shelby Raymond to come and ask God's blessings on the message today. Alrighty, let's bow our heads. God, thank you for all the wonderful blessings you have given to this church and the people of this church. I pray the baptisms will speak to the hearts of the people that do not know you and give them a safe place to ask questions and learn about you, God. I pray that our ears will be open to Wentz's sermon today and that we will make changes to be more like you, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, Shelby. All right, we're gonna uh, we're closing in on the new year, and the world's growing dark, darker. God's return is growing closer, and this is a time where we don't need to be running in the wrong direction. We need to be running to Jesus. And but some of you, though you look like you're headed in the wrong, the right direction, you you're, you're a little you're a little spun around. You're you're running backwards. And so, I, my hope today is that our time in God's Word would be like Wrong Way Regal's teammate Ben uh, Benny Loam who chased him down and tackled him. I pray God's word would do that for you today. I pray the Holy Spirit would chase you down and tackle you in your seat, in your own soul, and uh, show you which way to run. So first, what I want to see is what did deep fake Demas do? What was it that he did? He wasn't like Kamikaze Gehazi that we saw months ago, who milked money from a miracle uh, by, done by God through Elisha. He wasn't like Ananias and Sapphira by lying about an offering that he gave to the church that dropped dead, you remember. He's not like David's Ahithophel who, uh, you know, turned his back on him. Demas doesn't try to take over Paul's position in the church or in his apostleship or anything. Not that there was one, you know. Uh, he, he's not entirely like Judas in that Demas doesn't cleverly betray Paul with a kiss. It wasn't Demas who turned Paul into the Roman authorities and got him thrown into prison. So, he wasn't like them, but, in, but he was still, in many ways, he still betrayed uh, his friendship with Paul by deserting him. Because what does Paul say Demas did? There's only really one thing that he says he did here. Demas has deserted me. And I want to look at three facts here. First, what does desertion mean? What does that mean? One commentator said the verb used in the original implies that Demas had not merely left Paul, but he'd left him in a lurch. 
He had abandoned him. He had forsaken him, right? The separation was not merely local, but also spiritual. Paul is deeply disappointed with Demas. MacArthur goes on to say that the word deserted is a strong verb. It means to utterly abandon and leave someone helpless in a dire situation. It's a combination of words that literally mean to leave without, left in a condition of lack or forsaken, all right? Desertion means to forsake. That's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7, only one that won't forsake us, but we have this treasure in jars of clay, that's us, broken pieces, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken. Same word, same word used in our passage today. Not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. David said back in Psalm 16, verse eight, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, to the grave, or let your Holy One see corruption. Well, over in Acts chapter two, verse 25, Peter's delivering a sermon at Pentecost and he explains that, and he quotes Psalm 16 and explains that that's actually talking about, part of that's talking about Jesus, meaning uh, God wouldn't forsake Jesus to the grave, right? Jesus would rise again. So Peter's translating the Hebrew word from the Old Testament into the Greek and he uses the word abandon. He will not abandon. Same word used against Demas. Same root word, right? Peter said God didn't abandon Jesus, but Paul said Demas did abandon me, <laughs> right? It's the same root word that Jesus uses when he's dying on the cross and he has all the sins of the world on him. And there's that one moment in Matthew 27, 46, where Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Same word, right? Church, listen, you may feel forsaken, you may feel lonely and empty and, and abandoned this Christmas, but I promise you God will never forsake you. You may have forsaken him, but he keeps his word. Jesus does not walk out on his children, plain and simple. So first, desertion means being forsaken. Second, desertion assumes. What does it assume? <laughs> well, it assumes a partnership. It assumes close friendship. It assumes... Uh, partnership in this case in the gospel. Outside of 2 Timothy, Paul mentions Demas two other at least two other times, all right? One's in Philemon 1 verse 24. Listen to who he lists Demas in a list with. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. Then again in Colossians 4 verse 10, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, verse 12. Epaphras, who's one of you, a servant of, Je of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and, and in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. So who are these people? Epaphras, uh, Mark, Aristarchus, Luke. They're heroes of the faith. If we were to, when we think about Lottie Moon, we think about a hero of the faith that, this, that the, our offering is named after. 
All right. When we think about Mark and Epaphras and Aristarchus, these are heroes of the faith. If we look at uh, just to single in on Epaphras, if we look at Colossians 1 verse 3, check this guy out. We, we always, Paul says, thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, verse 5, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing, as we saw today, as it, is, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to, to us your love in the spirit. So we know... Epaphras, not Paul, brought the gospel to Colossae, which was about 100 miles east of a major city of Ephesus back then, right? We know Epaphras ministered to the new churches faithfully because the ESV explains that that term for learned, uh, is, it's Greek manthano, is closely related to the term disciple, manthetes, and more than merely listening to a simple gospel presentation, Epaphras systematically instructed those new believers in how to live as a Christian and reported God's work to Paul, right? We also know from the passage I just read in Colossians 4, verse 12, that Epaphras was always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. He was a prayer warrior, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear witness that he worked hard for you in all these other cities. Demas is in the same sentence as all of these great men of faith. And Aristarchus, if we, uh, we don't have time to unpack all of them, but he was in prison for the gospel. Uh, John Mark wrote the gospel of Mark. Luke wrote the book of Luke and all the history and of the early church and the book of Acts. And right in line with all of these great men of faith is who? Demas. Demas wasn't just simply leaving and going home. All right, Demas deserted Paul in his greatest time of need. Desertion assumes a closeness, right? So there's what desertion means, what that's forsaken. What desertion assumes, that's friendship. And third, how desertion wounds. I praise God for close friendships. They can bring a lot of joy and encouragement to our lives, <laughs> but they can also be some of the deepest wounds. It's the people we love the most that hurt, hurt us the most, isn't it? And I believe that's what happened to Paul here. He loved Demas deeply. And, uh, and so Demas wounded him fully, right? For starters, it hurt Paul and the, and the church's credibility. Anytime someone walks out on service to God for selfish reasons, uh, it doesn't speak well of the team they're a part of, of the church they're a part of, and it doesn't speak well of a witness for Christ. It also can become an excuse for unbelievers or or backslidden Christians to step away from the church and say, well, you know. But Paul had so fully announced the credibility of Demas to all these churches in multiple cities alongside multiple heroes of the faith. It'd be like me speaking of, of Kenny or some other great hero of the faith and then them failing us and walking out on us. That's what it feels like. Be left alone. It hurt him. It was a wound in accountability. It was a wound in social, emotional, and spiritual survivability. Church, we're created to be with each other. We're created to be around other humans, other believers, 
other fellow laborers in the faith. That's how God hardwired us. You're going to get the most out of an engine if you run it with the fuel that it's supposed to have. And we're supposed to run with the fuel of relationships with other people. Two different times, uh, Tim, uh, Paul begs Timothy to come to him soon. And he says, come because of this thing that happened. I want you to come. I'm urgent for you to come. I'm, I think he's saying I'm lonely. I need you. I don't know if I can make it in this dark prison cell. I need somebody. And a matter of fact, he says in 2 Timothy 4, 6, the time of my departure has come, verse 9, do your best to come to me soon, verse 10, 4, come soon, 4, because Demas in love with the present world has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Come because I'm forsaken and I'm alone. What desertion means is forsaken. What desertion assumes is friendship and how desertion wounds is fully. Someone who's truly been deserted, uh, I think you heard everywhere. I've seen spouses whose, who's, you know, love of their life walked out on them. I know of people who came home and the house was empty. And I know some of you have deep friendships and they've walked away from you. And those, those scars are deep. They hurt. And, um, and that's what Demas did, right? That's what deep fakes do. They run the wrong way when the championship's on the line. Second, why do they do it? Why did deep fake Demas do it? And I, I admit that motives can be hard. You know, we can't always discern God testing ways the motives of the heart, but we don't know. And I've seen so many of those uh, courtroom battles where they think they've got the right murderer, but they just can't establish a motive, right? They need a motive. We don't always know what people's motives are. Uh, Proverbs 16 verse 2 says, All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. And let me just tell you, one of the ways the Lord weighs the spirit is through his word. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So what were Demas' thoughts and intentions? I want to give you three. Some of them are we positively know. Some of them are probable. And some of them are possible. And I'll put them in those categories, all right? First, the positive intentions. Demas swapped his love of a heavenly kingdom for his love for the worldly kingdom. That's exactly what happened. Second Timothy 4, 6. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. I'm, uh, time's come. I'm, the end is near. And Paul knows he's about to die. Verse 8. There's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, not only to me, but to all who have loved his appearing. Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me. Right? What's crystal clear, according to Paul's spirit-inspired words, is that Demas loved this present world more than the future world. What's positive is that he did not, Demas did not love Christ's appearing. Remember back when Esau, in Genesis 25, verse 29, he sold his birthright for, for a little food, one meal, your whole birthright. And birthrights were a big deal. I don't have time to unpack all that. But they were a big deal, and he just shamed his birthright. And you can't be sitting there lapping up your soup that your brother gave you that you just traded your birthright for and say, no, I really, I really respect my birthright. You can't do that while you're eating the soup. <laughs> your actions speak louder than your words, right? And I don't wish to sound harsh, but 
If we don't love the thought of Christ appearing, this is the word of God, above other things, above a first kiss, above our love of our lives, our first car, a lake house, a family member, a child, a grandbaby, or our own selves, our motives in life may be as shallow as deserting Demas. You need to love Christ appearing. 1 John 2 verse 15 says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, that's kind of the umbrella of all types of sins, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, praise God. <laughs> but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Hebrews 13, verse 14. For here we have, listen to this, no lasting city. You know, I pray that I want our nation to do well. But Hebrews 13, 14 says, here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. <laughs> John 15, 19. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, because I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. That's what happens when any, any sinful Christian speaks up in righteousness about any sin. There's, there's, it, it's hated. It's the, it's the truth that's hated. Philippians 3.20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 3, verse 2, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. If you don't love Christ appearing, you may have not deserted your faith yet, but you're definitely bearing the marks of Demas the deserter, right? What's positive is that Demas didn't love Christ appearing. What's positive is that he, was, he loved the world. He swapped a love of, future, uh, king, of God's future kingdom for the love of a present kingdom, right? And by the way, the world in scripture is, we don't mean people. I'm not saying every person hates you, right? It's it, world in scripture is used as a symbol for a person's life or a society that doesn't have God in it. You remove God and that's what, that's what you have left is the world. <laughs> James 4, 4, 4 verse 4 says, you adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now look, church, I, I'm a nostalgic guy. I mean, we have the same Christmas ornaments that we put up in certain places every year. And I like Christmas lights and I'm dead gumming. I'm gonna drive around and look at some before Christmas, Lord willing, if we can squeeze it in between all the parties and wrapping, right? I love Christmas. I love the smells of Christmas. I love a good meal, a good movie, warm hug, memories. I, I, there are a lot of things I like. I, I was sitting in a deer stand with my son this weekend. I enjoy those things. It gives me great joy, but I can't love them more than I love Christ's appearing. I can't love, I'm gonna open gifts and hopefully some of them I'll like. <laughs> but I, I better not love them more than I love Christ appearing. At the end of the day, we just need to pause. Even when we're enjoying a good meal, a good steak, right? We need to just pause and put it in perspective, right? That's what Christmas, we need to, Christmas is just a time we need to stop and get a little perspective. Demas didn't love Christ appearing, and he loved the present world. Those things were obvious. Second, 
is the probable intention. We don't know this for sure, but I, this one's very probable that, that Demas left because he longed for safety. You know, when he was in Colossians and Philippians and those other places with Paul, they hadn't really encountered death death and, and imprisonment like they are now. And I think when the going got tough for Demas, uh, his, his faith wasn't ready and he longed for safety. Demas was uh, hanging with Paul, but then he, he packed up before he got jacked up and locked up. <laughs> Trusting in man and our weapons and our 401k and our insurance policies to protect us more than God is love of the world and foolishness and, and a bad intention. Third, this is a possible intention. Uh, I think it's, it's probable that Demas headed to Thessalonica because he, he may have been from there or maybe even more likely, I believe he knew of how Mer Thessalonica, the Thessalonians trusted Christ very fast. But when Paul preached the gospel to him, boy, they received it quickly. Um, and I think he knew how sympathetic and merciful they were. I think they were generous people. And, uh, and so, you know, deserters usually run somewhere that's sympathetic to their cause, you know. And a lot of times that's the church because we're, we're, I hope we're generous people and we may get burned by it, but praise God for, our, for the obedience of generosity. What did deep fake Demas do? Why did deep fake Demas do it? And, and third and lastly, how can deep fake Demas help me? All right. Now, to be clear, in all these gleanings that we've had in these studies of deep fake downfalls, we're not happy, right? Demas's departure shouldn't make us want to say, well, man, I hope he got what was coming to him. Man, I hope what he got, I hope he gets what he deserves. You ever said that? You ever thought that? Hey, friend, you better pray you don't get what you deserve. <laughs> if you're a believer in this room, if you've trusted in Christ, you will not, on the authority of God's word, get what you deserve. You deserve hell. I deserve hell. As I stand here before you, I won't get it because of the blood of Jesus Christ that I trusted in fully to redeem my sin. That's available to all who call on the name of Jesus. That being said, Demas's failure is a benefit to us. Matter of fact, just so you know, 2 Timothy 4.16, at my first defense, no one came to stand by me, Paul says. No one, not just Demas, nobody. And he says, may it not be charged against them. All right, there's some things before the new year hits you need to let go of. You've been holding on to bitterness and stuff and you need to let go. Paul says, even this guy, as hurt as I am about what Demas did, even though I'm calling Demas out so that you don't get tricked by him, I still don't charge it against them, right? But I, do, I think there's three reasons God includes all of these deep fakes in the Bible. These are not specific here. These are just in general to all of the deep fakes we've been looking at. One is to caution our own souls against straying uh, from the faith and becoming a deep fake ourselves, right? We've talked about this. One is just to caution our own souls. Two is to protect us from being so naive and unprepared that we're shocked when we see a deep fake. They're real. <laughs> Don't act like you've never seen one before. Don't act like you've never been hypocritical yourself, right? Put it in perspective. Third is to demonstrate the pain and the punishment of deep fakes who wound God's people and his church and his work around the world. Those apply to all of them. 
right? Every con artist story seems to have those three common denominators. But in particular to this story uh, of Demas, I believe there are two other reasons I want to give you real quick. First is to restore the friendship of old helpers, right? Demas wasn't the only character in this story who had walked out on Paul. Remember John Mark, the author of Mark? He had two. Acts 13, 13 describes a mission trip with Barnabas and Paul and, and, and Mark and others. And, and it says John Mark, Acts 13, 13, left them and returned to Jerusalem. So he bailed on them. And we know this got escalated over in Acts 15, verse 36. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now, Barnabas wanted to take with him John called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take, them, take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus and on Paul went. But time had passed. Matter of fact, from the first moment, they believe it was as much as many as 10 years had passed. Mark had grown in Christ and in his faithful endurance in ministry. And so in 2 Timothy 4, 11, 11, Paul says, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you for he's very useful to me in ministry. You know, sometimes we need to be faced with real abandonment to see the good in others, you know? Uh, a little comparative analysis sometimes. We're often blind to the fact that people uh, all around the sanctuary right now are being sanctified in different areas of their lives. A brand new Christian may be more mature than an old Christian in a certain area of their life. They may, they may be really good at one thing, right? But others may be still struggling with being a good parent. Others may be struggling with, you know, being a good boss or a good worker. Or, you know, I don't know what your, what your addictions or anxieties are, but everybody is growing in areas of their life if they're a Christian. You're moving forward in something. You're attacking some sin. You're moving forward in your faith. You're being encouraged by God's word, hopefully daily, not just on Sundays. And I think sometimes loneliness and the desertion of others uh, can cause us to kind of put that in check and see, see what God is doing in others. I'm not saying be so naive that you don't see the bad, but, to be, but you can be uh, loving and, and see God's work, how God is. I love to see in our church how God is sanctifying people. I can't, y'all know that I just have no place. I can't hardly stand self-righteousness, you know, pride. I'm all, you know, like a Christian who thinks they're all that. Thank God that is not, that does not exist in, in this church. I, I don't believe it in large. I'm sure we can all be prideful, but um, I believe loneliness kind of brings, when you spend time alone, when you've been deserted, it, it causes you to see people differently. And I believe Demas indirectly helped restore friendship uh, with John Mark. I mean, yeah, with, between Paul and John Mark. And then secondly, to remind us that restoration is still possible. Here's the truth, everybody. There's only one friend who will not forsake you. I love my wife and she's still with me after almost 30 years, right? And I pray that she won't forsake me and I pray I won't forsake her, but there's only one relationship that is full, intimate, forever. Now, I don't know if you'll, you know, we can talk about whether you'll know your spouse and things like that in heaven another day, but 
One we will know is Jesus Christ. And we're going to be so enthralled with him. People, all these questions, will we'll just have to ask God when we get to heaven. No, you won't. You, you can't remember it by tomorrow, much less when Jesus returns. <laughs> you don't even know why you came in the room just now. <laughs> all right, but... I, we have a relationship with Christ. He will not leave us. Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, 17, the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. The fact that we have no other details of, De of Demas, the fact that Paul calls for John Mark specifically reminds us that anything is possible. And maybe Demas was restored. We don't know. This is ending like Jonah did. Jonah, we don't know what happened to Jonah. There's a lot of times where God says the ax is at the root of the tree. Will he cut it down or not? We don't know if it's going to bear fruit or not, right? Regardless, if we run the wrong way, what we do know is that we have a Lord that'll, that'll tackle us and turn us around if we'll just listen. And hey, I, you know what? Demas, who knows if Demas hadn't deserted, we might have a first and second Demas, <laughs> right? There might have been books because he was right there with the mix of those authors. But we know our, our, our years, what we do know is that years of deep fake living can become an eternity of deep faith if we'll just simply repent, turn from our sin, turn from ourself and say, God, forgive me. I've been a phony. I've been acting like a phony. I need, I need a revival in my soul. I either want to trust you or as a Christian, I want to be revived in you. Listen to this. Wrong way Roy Regals went on to be the captain of his team. He earned first team All-American honors. Uh, led his team in conference minutes, played that season, was voted on to the all-coast team. California's coach, Nibs Price, said Regals was the smartest player he ever coached. Regals went on to start a successful company, was married to the same woman almost 70 years. And we may not know uh, what happened to Demas, right? But what Roy Regals worked out pretty well. <laughs> it wasn't the end of his life. And it doesn't have to be the end of yours either. Amen. Would you stand? Father God, we, we are all wrong way Roy. <laughs> we have all uh, forsaken you and turned and, and we just constantly fight against you just daily. And you are just teaching us every day with everything to depend fully on you. Lord, I thank you for the testimony of salvations, four of them at, at the beginning of this service, God. But I know there are others, Lord, who, who may not have trusted in Christ, and they need to make sure that their faith is secure in you, and they may need to trust you and make that public. And I pray that they would do that today, to come forward and say, I, I, I want to trust Jesus. It's just that simple. Turn from your sin. Trust in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And he'll save you. Call on his name and he'll save you. I pray for others that are believers and maybe they just want to be part of a church family. Everybody, it's good to have a blood family, but we have a blood family in Jesus Christ who shed his blood for us. And there's a bond in Christ that's closer than a brother. And I pray that you would add more people to that bond of Piperton Church to serve you and use their gifts through this local body. God, I pray that you would let us be obedient now. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been sermon audio from Piperton Baptist Church in Piperton, Tennessee. For more information on how you can get connected with PBC, please visit www.pipertonbaptist.com.